Everybody who watches and listens to the Deep End podcast every week, we're so glad to be back with you. This 2018 first edition. Sigmund Freud said that religion was basically repressed sexual expression. I believe the opposite is true. I believe the Bible supports that view. We'll talk about that today on The Deep End. The Deep End Podcast. Welcome to The Deep End Podcast, brought to you by Waters Church in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. The Deep End is where we go deeper in the scriptures to empower our walk with God. If you're watching on Facebook Live, we're glad you joined us, and we encourage you to be a part of the conversation in the comments below. If you're listening in on SoundCloud or your podcast app, be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Let's go live to Pastor Tim Hatch as we get started with today's podcast. This is The Deep End. Hey, everybody. Back again. And I'm so happy to be back in this seat and in the studio here at the Waters Church offices. I hope that you had a wonderful holiday season. I hope that your new year is off to a great start. And I hope that 2018 brings you many blessings, the favor of the Lord, and wonderful prosperity with the blessing of God upon it. My name is Tim. I'm the pastor at Waters Church, North Attleboro in Massachusetts. If you haven't been there, you should come visit us sometime. And joining me in the studio today is uh, Josh Pereira, our worship director, and Chris McEwen, our pastoral care director. Hello, guys. What's going on? Hello. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Yeah, um, even better than that. How was your How was your uh, holiday? It was wonderful. Yeah. Very relaxing season. I, we're allowed to say Merry Christmas if you haven't heard. <laughs> Trump says. I heard that. Yeah, yeah, we're so we're good. allowed, yeah. So the law has been changed. Yes, yes. He knows. The non-existent law has <laughs> been changed it. non-existently. <laughs> And uh, we are uh, back in 2018 now, and uh, and it's good to be in a new year. How do you guys? How's yeah. the year started for you so far? It's been good so far. So yeah, good. yeah no, it's been great. Um, looking forward to what God's going to do at Waters Church this year. And looking back at last year, it was incredible. So last yeah. year, 1,000 people came to Christ at Waters Church, North Attleboro, Milford, and Woonsocket. Oh, amazing, amazing. Yeah. One thousand people. One thousand people. Uh, and hundreds of baptisms and so many small group leaders and new small group members and so much, so much is happening here at Water Church. We are so excited about that. I, uh, every year I get away for a couple of weeks, go down to Florida. My family lives down there. Um, my wife's sister lives down there. And so we're so glad to go down there and bum off them for a couple of weeks. <laughs> but it, no, it was really a pleasure to be down there, but it was not warm. So don't uh, envy me. It was 57 degrees. Oh, boo, on average. Hoo, yeah. boo, boo, hoo. I did sadly miss the, uh, what did they call it? The gigantic snow bomb. What are they calling oh, that? What were they calling that? The ty- Not a typhoon. No, it? it had a, a weird name to it with the G. Snow bomb, something like that. Something weird that I've never heard before. But G- gigantic snow bomb. I'm just saying it was negative two degrees, so fifty. We we still envy you. Yeah, I did. I yeah. was outside at least, and I was enjoying some sun. Mm-hmm. But I did bring back this fifty degree weather, so it's fifty degrees <laughs> out you. there. Thank You're you. welcome. Yes, New England. Yes, looking forward to what Friday's going to be fifty. Friday's going to be fifty. Too. I'm going to the beach. Yay! Oh, yeah, that's like open your pool weather up right. here, man. <laughs> Let's get a swim in real quick before it gets back down to the 20s. It's Michael Belcher with his shorts. Yeah, well, he wears them when it's negative, too. But Michael Belcher on our children's team. Yes. Yeah. I'm just happy my dogs can go outside again. Yeah. It's been brutal. I, and we need the snow to melt so that we can get around here and clean up the parking lot and stop having all the snow dragged into our offices and everything. 
But uh, this weekend, we start a new series, everybody, on the weekend. If you don't come to the weekend, you should come to the weekend. It's called First Things First. And so I thought, what a great way to start the year. Let's get some things right in our lives before we get moving on with our lives in 2018. Mm. First Things First starts this weekend. I can't wait to share what God's put on my heart for you this year uh, and for this series particularly. Now, uh, Chris, we have some news and updates. Why don't you uh, give us the 411? Yeah, a couple big things going on, a couple new things going on. Uh, tomorrow night, actually, right here, we're having one of our teen nights. Teen yeah. nights is for the media team. So if you're new to the media team or if you just want to find out more about the media team, if you want to be a new volunteer, then we welcome you to come and join us. Mm. It's going to be a, a training night where you'll get our ongoing training on the cameras, sound, directing, the pro presenter, stage manager, and much, much more. Um, so it's going to be tomorrow night, uh, six to nine. Tim, I think you're going to give a short message. Yes, short, me- inspiring message. Inspiring. And to top it all off, there will be food. So uh, come on out if you want to join the media team or just check out the media team. Yes. Very excited about that. Also, in a couple weeks, you mentioned all the small groups that we have. We have a couple open small groups. So on Thursday. January, uh, I'm sorry, Saturday, Saturday, January 27th, after service, we're going to have our first uh, Waters Church game night. Mm. Game night is going to be where you can meet some of our uh, open small group leaders, meaning uh, their groups are currently open. And we're going to have the game night to be an icebreaker. So we'll have board games set up on every table. You can come and, and meet some of our small group leaders. And we're going to have finger food there as well. So food, woohoo. What defines finger food? Finger, uh, something that you can eat with one or two fingers mm-hmm. is okay. my definition. I don't know if that's correct. But if I can eat it with two fingers, it's finger food. In some countries, it's actually the fingers of humans. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, chicken fingers. <laughs> fingers of chicken. You don't uh, want to go to those countries, though. <laughs> they they're not kind to guests. And uh, finally, good. we just have baptism class coming up Saturday the 28th at 1130 in our Next Steps Center. So come see us there and uh, get baptized. If you're one of the thousand people that gave your life to Christ last year and you haven't been baptized, it's time to step up and get baptized. Yeah. Mm. So that's it. I'm done. So what if I'm not in the media team as of now? Can I come Thursday? Yes, come sir. Come on Thursday. Yeah, come tomorrow What night. if I have very limited experience? Come on Thursday. That's what it's all about. Really? Get some experience. Great. And what's the age limit, like youngest? I just hear some parents saying, "What my kid wants to be involved. 13. 13? 13. Right, Thank 13 you, Michael. Old enough that we're not babysitting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, and you have to be old <laughs> enough to be in the service and, and be able to hold the camera. And, and it is fun for your kids to get involved in that, I think, anyway. My oh, kids yeah. love that, yeah. too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, 2018, we are going to announce the uh, theme for our church uh, for this year. Now, last year it was living in the presence, giving to his purpose, and I think we lived that theme out pretty well. Yeah. This year, God gave me this theme. I really believe this is from the Lord for our church this year. 2018, we want to be the church. Amen. Yeah. Now, it's not like we're not interested in doing this outside of 2018, but we're just going to emphasize it this year, 2018, be the church. Don't just come to Waters Church. We're going to challenge you more than ever this year. Give to Waters Church. Be involved in Waters Church. And not just be involved in Waters Church, but be a Christian where it counts. Be a Christian out there, beyond the building, um, in your family, in your workplace, wherever you go. How do I do that? 
We're going to talk about that. Actually, the very next series after First Things First is the series called Be the Church, and that's going to start in February. So you're going to want to be here all year. You're going to want to be here for First Things First to get the heart and the, and the mind and the soul and all that stuff right uh, in this series. But then when we start Be the Church, we are creating what we like to do as a staff here at Waters Church is create containers. We call I call them containers. Mm-hmm. You can call them streams or venues. Uh, through which we empower you to take what God has given you and put into you and use it to serve and bless other people. Right. Uh, so, like, for instance, as of right now, we have things like small group. We have things like small group ministry. We have things like getting involved in volunteering at the weekend experience and mm-hmm. serving on one of our many, many teams, such as the media team. Thursday night, tomorrow night, whatever. Uh, there's so many other ways that we do that. We do outside the building, Providence Rescue Mission. Mm. Uh, last year, the small groups did Beyond the Walls campaign, serving the different venues of our community in Christian ways, uh, paying off the students' uh, lunch bills in Woonsocket, Milford. Mm. These things are That's the way awesome. we are the church. Listen, salt is no good if it stays in a salt shaker. Mm. It's got to get out of that thing. It's got to get on the meat. It's got to get on the chicken. It's got to get on the veggies. In my case, veggies. Amen. Uh, <laughs> but um, No comment. Yeah, no comment. But, you know, you got to get out of the sh- shaker. So Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. But if you just sit in the salt shaker, and that, that means if you just come and receive at church all week and you never, every week, and you never get out there and do something that um, brings life and flavor and pr- uh, um preservation to your society uh that you're really not living up to who you are yeah. so we mm. want to get the salt shaken out of waters church in 2018 can Amen. i get a witness come on yeah. get that salt out now we're creating we're creating two new venues or streams or categories <clears throat> or containers for you to do that one is foster care we've talked about this already on the podcast and mm. that's going to be coming along hopefully by february we'll have some some more details for people that's being worked on right now in our staff. Uh, the other way is 15 miracles in 15 year for 15 years uh, of Waters Church North Attleboro's existence, that's and uh, we want to incorporate Milford and Woonsocket into this um, as well, yeah. because we're one church. But here's the thing: uh, 15 miracles, changing 15 people's or groups' lives through the power of your giving, serving, doing, acting, being the church. Mm. Uh, we believe God's going to do, touch some lives seriously. So that's another way we're creating a container, a venue, a stream for you to get out of that salt shaker, to go out and do what Jesus did for us. Love one another. Love people. Bring the good news of the gospel. I, uh, I like to say it like this. The gospel is good news, but it's, it's not just good news for us. It's good news for everybody who knows us. Amen. Because yeah. when God changes you, you change how you treat other people. You change how you respond to rejection, yeah. uh, failure, um, heartbreak, um, the bad you know uh, attitudes that people might put on you because you have been changed inwardly and you bring that change outwardly into your relationships and people are affected by that. The good news is good news for you and everybody who knows you. 2018, let's be the church. Yeah, amen. All right. Now, Uh 1 Corinthians chapter 6. <laughs> Are you ready to... Let's talk about sex things. Once again, here we go. Let's talk about all the good things. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's talk about sex. 
Yeah. I'm a little too young for that song. No, oh, that was that was my high school jam. <laughs> yeah, Come on. Yeah. I think I danced to that when I was in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the glory of God. God forgive me. <laughs> we are in First Corinthians chapter six in the Deep End podcast uh, series. The struggle is real, and and uh, so we're going to look at the last half of chapter six. If you got a Bible, or if you're just going to listen, listen. But I'm going to read it to you, and then we're going to talk about it because Paul delves into this this. Um, this issue that was going on in, in, in Corinth, they were a very sexually immoral group of people, and they were Christians, and it was not right. Mm. Uh, title of this week's episode is Sex is of God. Sex is of God. It is from God. It is created by God. It is for the glory of God, and it must be done according to the Word of God. Uh, so let's take a look at this. Um, that should say verse 12 to 20. Sorry, that's my typo there up on the screen. But 1 Corinthians 6, 12 to 20, here's what Paul says. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. He says food is meant for the stomach and stomach for food. Just notice the quotes in those two lines that I just read. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a moment. Mm. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise up us, raise us up by his power. Verse 15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make the members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is written, the two shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits he commits outside his body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Just listen to that one more time. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Amen. So glorify God in your body. And that's the word of God. Amen. Amen. Uh, let's talk about some contextual information about this text because it's important to understand where Paul's coming from, yeah. who he's addressing, so that we can take some teaching um, from it for us today. By the way, if you're watching on Facebook Live, please ask questions in the comment sections as we get into this. Oh I'm sure, you know, sex is a, is, is a hot topic. You know, as soon as you say sex and church, people's eyes widen. Yeah. <laughs> you know? If you don't get questions on <laughs> this topic, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and even if we don't, uh, it's okay. You need to hear this because God does care about your sex life, yeah. uh, and it is an important part of who you are. And if there is any area of America where we have been, we see more confusion than ever before, it is in the sexual identity and expression of our culture. There is tons and tons and tons of confusion. And it's like a fire hose of confusion, is it not? Mm. I mean, it is coming at you from every angle. My kids in public school get it at their health class. Yeah. Uh, you watch any kind of movie TV show, it is coming at you every single episode, every single movie. And what is happening is the human culture around us is trying to redefine all these things uh, in the name of sexual freedom, in the name of being our own masters of our own uh, property and our own bodies and and telling God to stick it and be our own gods and say we are in charge and the Bible is antiquated and old-fashioned and forget about that. And I want to just tell you that the only people that are going to suffer from that are the people who listen to that nonsense. Right. You stick your face up to a fire hose to drink, you lose your face. <laughs> okay, so be careful with these messages. And so today I want to talk to you because in our sexually confused culture, there was a lot of sexual confusion. In first century Corinth, the original people to which this text was written. 
So the Corinthian city was a city that was in love with two things. They were in love with wisdom, philosophy, knowledge, and they were in love with sexual immorality. Mm. They had a god, uh, they had a temple to the god Aphrodite on a mountain in the city of Corinth, and uh, there's the remnants of the, of the temple are still there to this day. And uh, every night, there were uh, temple shrine prostitutes in the temple of Aphrodite uh, up on that hill, and thousands of these prostitutes would come down in the evening hours and ply their trade upon the men of Corinth. So a man works all day, he comes down the street at night, and there's a beautiful, or I don't know, it was beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) There's a prostitute waiting to satisfy his every sexual desire. Well, Paul says, look, you know what? You're the church, and you can't be like the world. Uh, Now, the world is going to be sexually immoral. We get that. That's always going to be um, the reality of the world. But for God's people, there are limitations uh, to sex. And it's really for all people, but it's especially for God's people. Mm. According to God's way, there's healthy limitations to sex. I want to say that again. Healthy limitations to sex. These are not bad for you. These are good for you. Right. And so as much as our 21st century context is boasting about liberation and freedom and progress in sexual identity and expression, we're going to start to see if we are not already seeing a lot of that is a lie and people are suffering and kids are hurting and children are more confused than ever before. Yeah. Uh, more suicidal than ever before in this generation. This is the news that keeps coming out. The suicide rate of junior youth and high schoolers is astronomical compared to what it was in previous generations. Right. And we want to say, well, it's social media. It's not just social media. Mm-hmm. It's it's the confusion that we have put on these kids. Look, in, education, in the education department of America, we tell them they're monkeys. <laughs> we tell them they're monkeys, but then we tell them to act you know, civilized. Mm. Uh, and then we tell them sex is whatever you want to make it. And then we don't have any answers for their mental, social, emotional hangups and problems. We, what do we do with that? So, the, so, the, so then what do we do with that? We give them pills right? <laughs> and, and we give them medication. Yeah. And, and then we just kind of like, you know, br- stop their brains from working. And then they're dumber than ever before and they can't function and they can't go out and get a job and hold their head up. And then their lives are wrecked. So listen, I'm just trying to say, let's stop the vicious cycle of what's going on in our lives and in our culture, and let's listen to what God says. Like, this is what is great about the Word of God. The Word of God is remedy. The Word of God is healing and power Mm. uh, to empower our lives. So let's get into what Paul says uh, section by section. Remember what he said in the beginning? And I want you, if you're looking on the screen or if you're looking at the Bible, it's probably pretty important today that you look at your Bible for this text because you'll see that there's some quotes in the text and that means that these are not Paul's lines to them. These are their lines, the Corinthians phrases back to Paul. So he's actually quoting back to them things that they said as a culture. And so verse 12, all things, this is in quotes, all things are lawful for me. And then not in quotes, Paul says, but not all things are helpful. Mm. So he's, he's responding to what they say as a culture. This is what they are saying uh, in the Corinthian context. They're saying, well, all things are lawful for me. And then he says, well, yeah, but not all things are helpful. And then the next quote is, and, in, and in, uh, the next quote is repeated, all things are lawful for me. But then he says, but I will not be dominated or mastered or controlled by anything. Then verse 13, another quote, food is meant for the stomach and stomach for food. That's another quote that they were saying. That's another phrase. Food is meant for stomach and the stomach made for food. They're saying that back to Paul. There was like the, there was like a cultural mantra. I don't want you to miss this. These were their two cultural mantras of their day. And then God responds, uh, not God, but Paul the Holy Spirit through Paul, responds to that and says, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual morality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So again, let's put those two phrases up on the screen. Here it is. 
These are the two mantras of the Corinthian context. All things are lawful for me. Now, let's talk about that one because this one, this phrase is what I call the cult of individuality. Mm -hmm. The cult of individuality. And if there is anything (laughs) that we are teaching our young people today, it is be yourself. You be you. Whoever that Uh, is. You are an individual. You have every right to define who you are. Live your dreams. Chase your passions. Be who you want to be. And this is the cult of individuality, and it was pervasive in the first century. It's still pervasive today. And a lot of Christians buy into this. And this is where I have a problem, because a lot of Christians um, misinterpret the New Testament as it pertains to the Old Testament. The Old Testament had 613 laws for God's people. Mm-hmm. Now, the New Testament comes along, and, and it says, Jesus himself says, Matthew five seventeen, I have come to fulfill the law. But he also says, I haven't come to abolish the law. Right. Romans, I think it's ten four says that Christ is the end of the law. And uh, other places where Paul will say, we are no longer under the law, mm-hmm. but under grace. And all these things that just kind of point to the fact that in Christ, at the cross, the law and everything that it stood against us, that stood for it against us, is now finished in the work of the cross that, that Jesus hung on. So what happens with many Christians, and this, is in, that's, this happens almost in every generation of Christendom, is that Christians start to think, okay, that means now, because the law is finished in Christ, I can do whatever I want. Right. The law is over. Even <clears throat> Romans says Christ is the end of the law. So what we get is what theologians call antinomianism. Anti meaning against, noma meaning law, nomos meaning law, meaning I can live against the law because Christ forgives me and his blood makes me right with God and not following the law doesn't make me right and, and following the law does not make me right with God. So I get to do what I want. And Paul over and over and over again, all throughout his writing says, that's just nonsense. Mm-hmm. That's just not true. Uh, Christ does not, and this is a good point, Christ does not come to empower you to do what you want. He comes to empower you to do what God wants. Whew. That's good. Come on. That's an amen. Amen. Oh, yeah. Right there. Amen. <laughs> right. He we'll brings his own amen. <laughs> yeah, probably uh, not the best, not the best amen, amen for some of you who know where that's coming from. So listen, the Bible, I mean, the work of Jesus does not therefore give us permission to live as, as we want. It's, it's not all things are lawful for me. And this was the, the, the Corinthians. These were, this was their mantra. We can do whatever we want. The second one was food is meant for the stomach and, and the stomach is meant for food. And that basically, we'll talk about this. This is dualism. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll talk about that in a moment because they were basically saying, look, uh, sex is an appetite and we got to just feed it. And a lot of people live by, by that mantra still to this day. I call it loophole theology, okay? This is loophole theology. A lot of Christians, oh gosh, a lot of Christians are practicing loophole theology. Let me find a way to do what I want and find some sort of godly approval for it Mm -hmm. so I can take a text out of context. Like, for instance, Rahab in Jericho lies to protect the spies from Joshua. She does. She lies. But then she gets saved out of Jericho. So if I want to be a loophole Christian, I can say, hey, it's all right for me to lie because Rahab lied. Sure. <laughs> and she was saved. And, and so therefore lying is okay. 
No, moron. Think about it. Okay, it is not giving you permission to lie. It is showing you a, a story of a woman who was a pagan who came to believe that the God of Israel was better than the God of Jericho, and she was saved because of how she saw the God of Israel. But then, of course, her life was transformed over yeah, the course right. of her life. And despite shortcomings, uh, shortcomings, God can still use any situation. Yes, and exactly. you get changed after. Yeah, you know, I mean, did she ever lie again? I don't know. The Bible is that's not the point of the story. Right. The point of the story is just that she put her faith in the God of Israel, not the God of Jericho. Uh, you could look at the story of when David is dying. David, King David, lived this you know great life, then a questionable life, then he gets to the end of his life, and he's dying, and he says to his son Solomon, please take vengeance on Joab. You know how he treated me. And take vengeance on this guy, too. You know how he treated me. And so we could look at that passage because I see God says we can take vengeance, you know. Mm. No, that's not the point of the story. Or, or this one. This is classic. People look at uh, the life of Jacob. They look at uh, the life of um, Abraham, uh, Esau, and others in the Old Testament who practiced polygamy. And they say, well, see, the Bible promotes polygamy. Know mm-hmm. that, again, you're not reading the story right. Some of the Bible is descriptive and some of the Bible is prescriptive. Right. <laughs> Don't confuse descriptive texts with prescriptive texts. So because Jacob had two wives does not mean now you guys get to have two wives. You don't want that, believe me. Uh, But secondly, it's also, if you look over the course of the whole story of Jacob's life, it's very clear that having two wives and messing around with the handmaids of those wives really jacked up his family, Mm. messed Mm. up his entire legacy. Sure. And so what Genesis and those old stories are teaching us is if you do this stuff, it's not going to go well for you. Right. It's not an excuse. Don't be a loophole Christian. Yes. Don't confuse a descriptive text, this is what happened, with a prescriptive text, which says this is what you should do. Right. The descriptive texts are not prescriptive always. Sometimes they are. But you have to use some discernment. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in. So he says, look, yeah, you can say all things are lawful for me, but there's two problems with that. Number one, he says, not all things are helpful. Uh you could enter into some questionable activity as a Christian and still be a Christian, but it's not going to help you. It's not going to benefit you. It's not going to bless your life. It's going to ruin your life. Right. Um, and there are things in our culture in America that are legal but are not biblical. I want to repeat that. Mm-hmm. Things in America are legal, but they are not biblical. Christian, you're not called to be an American. You're called to be a Christ follower. Yeah. So, like, getting drunk in America is legal, as long as you don't drive, right? I think it's legal. So far, yeah. Mostly. I mean, it's legal because people do it and they don't yeah. get arrested for Just being drunk. Be in the public. public drunkenness right. and there's, you, know, you can't drive and be drunk, but you can go have a party and get drunk, whatever. That's not biblical. <laughs> okay? Getting <clears throat> divorced in America is legal, but it is not biblical. Uh, gambling in some parts of America is legal. I don't believe it's biblical. I don't think you should be gambling God's money. I think you should be a good steward of God's money, invest God's money, work for God's money, give God's money, but don't uh, bless the casinos of our culture. You know, wherever these casinos pop up, you see, you know, housing projects and poor people and seriously, you know, destroyed communities. And it's like we we see gambling as the answer to economic uh, problems and then we embrace it and then we have more Economic problems, Mm -hmm. because you're not supposed to put your hope in the luck of the draw. You're supposed to put your hope in God and and use things as he gives you uh, about ability. But anyway, back to my point. (laughs) 
The fact that the law is ended in Christ is not permission then to disobey the law. These things will hurt you. And so Paul says all things are lawful, but they're not all beneficial. And then he says another thing, all things are lawful for me. But second thing, I will not be dominated or controlled by anything. Here's what I want you to know. Christians, the things that are not helpful for you will become habitually uh, practiced by you and ultimately really, really hurt you. Mm -hmm. So again, the things that are not helpful often become habitual and end up hurting you. That's three H's. Nice alliteration. Yes, alliteration, right? Not helpful, habitual, and hurtful. Uh, So what Paul is saying is there are some things that you could do, sure, as a Christian, but you're going to get enslaved by them. Right. They're going to become controlling influences on your life. Alcohol, pornography, uh, sexual morality in this case, uh, gambling, um, lying can become a controlling influence on your life. And it's not helpful and it becomes habitual and ultimately is hurtful. Right. So this is what Paul's saying. Don't just say, well, because Christ forgives me, I can do it. You could and you will suffer and you will be enslaved to that thing. Mm-hmm. And God does not want you for that. He wants you to be free in Jesus' name. Uh, and then he says, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is dualism. This is dualism. Uh, the body and the spirit are separate. That's called dualism. Uh, Plato invented this idea. Uh, and a lot of first century Christians um, bought into this idea and they created something called Gnosticism. Uh, this doesn't make any, you know, this doesn't talk to anybody for today. I just want to unpack it for a second. But it is a, it is a, it is a classic human uh, expression to say that our bodies and what we do with them have nothing to do with what we do with our spirits. And what we do with our spirits has nothing to do with what happens to our bodies. That's called dualism. And the fact is, it's not true. What we do with our bodies affects our spirits. What we do with our spirits affects our bodies. Yeah. I mean, really, like if you don't eat the right food, you will feel in your spirit like crap. <laughs> you know, if you eat the right food, you will feel better. If you, if you, and so applying to sex, if you have sex improperly, it will affect not just your body. It will affect your spirit. It will affect your mind. It will affect your emotions. Our generation loves to make dualistic statements all the time. Here's a couple of examples. It's just sex. Like we, we've heard that for generations sure. in this country, right? right? It's just sex. It's just something you're supposed to do. It's just an appetite. Come on. You got to eat. You got to have sex. Okay. It's not just sex. Because when somebody is raped, we never say to the person raped, oh, get over it. It's just sex. Yeah. No, they were violated. They feel like they were violated. They feel like vulnerable. They feel taken advantage of. It's not just sex. Mm-hmm. Or they say something like, it's my body and my private business. Stay out of it. Well, it's not actually just your body and your private business because your decisions personally will affect your community locally. Yeah. It's just true. I mean, it's just true. Uh, a, a, an unhealthy country, which is what we have right now, affects health costs for everyone. We don't think about that, but it's true, right? Yeah. We have an obese society. We have a society where people are just not eating right. They're not treating their bodies right. And so consequently, they have more health problems than ever before. Uh, don't get me on this rampage. This is why I'm vegan. Uh, but nonetheless, <laughs> um, you got to take care of your body because it matters not just to you, but to everybody around you. And everybody who has an older parent or grandparent who did not take care of their body and now the health costs for taking care of them are through the roof would say amen to this because we know that it does put a drain on people. Uh, so anyway, Paul's saying, look, uh, you can't 
just treat sex like it's some kind of physical appetite and just and divorce it from your spirit and your emotions and your mind. Sex affects every part of you. And God designed sex to affect every part of you. In fact, the sexual act is a mind and emotion emotional bonding experience between two people. This is why you shouldn't have sex with whoever you want to have sex with until you're married, so that once you're married and having sex, you get emotionally and mentally bonded in that in that expression. Uh, and so I think of just simple three reasons why you want to make sure that you don't buy into this lie of sex and appetite. Number one, because you're just thinking of the pleasure of the moment, not the pain of the long-term experience. Mm-hmm. And over and over again, divorced couples, and these, these statistics come out, uh, were having premarital sex um, or were not faithful to each other, and it is always a way to destroy your marriage, sex outside of marriage. Uh, secondly, sex is a tremendously powerful and incredibly dangerous experience. Uh, if you don't have sex properly, uh, and this, by definition, according to God, is heterosexual, monogamous, married sex, you risk you risk so many things, STDs, heartache, AIDS, divorce, inability for intimacy with your future spouse, estrangement from your children, your friends, your church, your neighborhood. I mean, if you want to divorce, I mean, if you want to destroy your life as quickly as possible, just have an affair. Have it, uh, and even call it a fair because you don't want to call it adultery. That's too sinful. Let's call it an affair. Make it sound nice. Mm. And it still has the same effects, friend. It will destroy your life. Do you have a question? When debating homosexuality, I see lots of people point to Leviticus to condemn it, and I always see responses from unbelievers saying, why do you still eat pork then, or wear mixed lion, uh, linens, et cetera, et cetera. As Christians, where do we draw the line of what laws still apply to us and which do not? Yeah, okay. Well, first off, Christians don't need to go to Leviticus 18 to say homosexuality is wrong. There's so many other areas. Matthew 19, when, Paul, when Jesus is discussing uh, divorce, you know, he makes it clear, this is how God designed marriage, one man, one woman for life. And in, 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 in that day, there was a big, there was a big controversy about divorce. Uh, can we get divorced for any reason? On this side, the liberals and the conservatives said, well, it's got to be really only adultery. And Jesus sides with the conservatives and says, no, it really has to be only adultery. Mm. And by the way, uh, you're not even supposed to get divorced in that case because you should reconcile and forgive and, and hopefully get back together again because God designed you to be one man, one woman for life. Uh, there's also 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, there's Romans chapter 1, uh, there's 1 Corinthians 6, 9. These are New Testament texts that definitely tell us in every situation, uh, in every text, it is not approved of in the scriptures. So don't go to Leviticus, don't go to the Old Testament for what your laws are. There's plenty of laws and, and guidelines in the New Testament to prove your point. Um, so uh, I hope that answers the question. Right. I was going to say, I think this is coming back at the, the Christian is trying to defend it. So, is Yeah, it and I just gave you the text, you okay. know, the 1 Timothy 1, Romans 1, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, all these passages in the New Testament that talk about it. And then Matthew yeah. 19, when Jesus talks about marriage and divorce, he's not saying uh, the two anybody's shall become one, the man and the woman, one. He goes back to the Garden of Eden and says, this is God's original design, one man, one woman together forever. Right. That's sure. how God originated it and wants it to be. Uh, and these people who say, well, Jesus never mentioned uh, homosexuality. Okay, friends, there's so many things that Jesus did not mention. If we live only, if we allow all the things that Jesus never mentioned, then we, 
Yeah. <laughs> Wheels off, friend. Wheels off. Uh, Jesus never mentioned slavery um, and subjugating entire races to slavery. Jesus never mentioned uh, rape. <laughs> right. he, he never mentioned um, extortion. Okay. He, I mean, let's talk about the whole canon of Scripture, not just, well, what did Jesus? Because, again, that's loophole theology. Let me find a way to justify what I really want. Yeah. Okay, so stop it. Loopholes. Uh, so anyway, uh, we got to get back on track here because I want to just finish up these reasons. Um, the number three reason is, uh, I already talked about this, sex is more than appetite. But human sexuality, okay, is designed by God to teach us something. And this is going to really, I hope, hopefully give you a good theology of sex. Human sexuality is designed by God to teach us about the kind of intimacy we are made to have with God. Now, what I am about to share with you is going to make you blush Uh in a moment. Are you going to blush, Josh? Uh, I don't know. I dare you. Well, I already previewed you guys on this. (laughs) (laughs) What you have to see is that the Bible always does this. It takes physical realities of our personhood and uses them as illustrations of our spiritual realities. For instance, Jesus is in the, temp- in, is in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. Mm-hmm. And he says, make some food, the devil says to him. And he says, no, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What does Jesus just do? He takes a physical reality, eating food, and uses it as a spiritual principle. Right. Meaning that just as physical food nourishes your physical body, so too eating on the word of God and digesting it and taking it into you will nourish and strengthen your spiritual body. Physical reality points to spiritual reality. Physical illustration points to spiritual expression. So let's apply that to sex because I absolutely believe this. Godly sex is designed, the physical expression of godly sex is an illustration of a spiritual reality we are meant to enjoy with the Lord. So again, let's just talk about it and let's be adults. (laughs) Number one in godly sex, there are opposites made for each other Mm -hmm. that join together. I don't think I have to use illustrations here. Use your imagination. Thank you. All right. (laughs) But again... They are different, and they are opposite, and they are made for each other. So, too, mankind and God are different, in many ways opposite. Yeah, I know we're made in his image, but we're not like God in many respects. But we are made for God. Mm-hmm. And those opposites are meant to come together. Yeah. Okay? Secondly, in godly sex, there is monogamy. This speaks to faithfulness. This is what we are made for, for God. We are made to be faithful to him. He is eternally and unwaveringly faithful to us. Yeah. So this is godly sex again. The reason why God says don't have sex outside of marriage is because marriage and sexual intimacy in marriage is meant to point at the kind of relationship we're supposed to have with God. Faithful, secure, safe. God will not abandon us ever. So therefore, don't ever abandon God. Don't bring in other things. Don't bring in the gods in your life and commit spiritual adultery with them because, because then you will lose the intimacy of that relationship that you had with God. Mm. Does this make sense? Yeah. Okay. 
And so this again is godly sex. Now this this third one's going to make you blush, <laughs> but it has to be said. So let, let, let's just look at it. In godly sex, when you have a man and a woman having sex, the fact of the matter is one person enters another person. Okay, <laughs> you know I'm blushing. Amen. Okay, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> couldn't resist. I said be adults, and here I am being a child. Okay, yes, uh, the man enters the woman. Now, what happens is when the man enters the woman, if it happens according to the way God designed it to happen, in nine months, get what do you get? A baby. A baby. You get life. Life, yeah. You get the, the progen- progenation of the species, the perpetuation of the se- species. Uh, you change lives, right? Sure. For good this and bad. This is a picture, a physical picture of a spiritual reality you're supposed to have with Jesus. Hmm. He comes into your life. No, you don't have sex with Jesus. So get that image out of your mind. But he comes into your life. He enters into your body. Yeah. The Bible says that he is the bridegroom. The church is the bride. The, the expression of our faith is that we are, we are living with God in us. Even later in this passage, Paul will say the Holy Spirit dwells in you. He enters into his church and then he produces life. Yeah. Through the church. Yeah, that's Woo, good. That's good, right? <laughs> All right, so this yeah. is how sex is supposed to be seen so that you have this intimacy wherein God comes into your life. He enters into your body and he produces life in your finances, in your relationships, in your vision, in your hopes, in your dreams, in your planning, in your processes of existence you don't just walk like flesh and bone across the surface of a big circular rock in the middle of space you live with vision and purpose and dreams and ideas and god brings life into you yeah that's the beauty of our relationship with god this is what paul is talking about and this is so much better than paul just saying hey stop sleeping with those prostitutes it's so much better. Yeah. He's giving us a theology of sex. He's trying to help us see. Don't you realize that sex is pointing you, real sex, the sex that God wants for you, is pointing you to the kind of life that God wants for you. And so that's why he says in verse 13, the body is not meant for sexual morality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. It's meant for this. Your body's not meant for sexual immorality. It's not meant for that. Yeah. And, and, and there's a host of evidence that, tr- that proves that it is not meant for sexual immorality. The biggest argument against homosexuality is what happens to gay men who have gay sex? They hurt themselves. Mm -hmm. They hurt themselves emotionally and absolutely physically. Let's just be honest. Let's grow up and realize what happens. But we we don't have to hammer on that issue so much as we have to say, point people to what is the good thing that God wants for us. Right. And I know there are people listening that are, that are homosexually inclined and so struggle with same-sex uh, attraction. And there are many Christians out there who share that struggle and walk in celibacy and holiness before the Lord. Right. And it is possible. You don't have to live how you feel. You can live how God made you to live. All right. So Paul goes into this and he says, look, the Lord's going to raise up your body just like he raised up Jesus. Your bodies are members of Christ. Shall I take the members of Christ and make the members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to the prostitute becomes one with her? For it is written, the two shall become one flesh. And this is what I wanted to talk about for a moment. Because, because if there is one thing that humankind has done since the dawn of humankind, it is this. We have conflated 
the, the expression of sex with religious experience. Um, case in point, in, Corinth, in the city of Corinth in the first century, they were worshiping the god Aphrodite, worshiping the god Aphrodite. How? By having sex with shrine prostitutes. Right. The, con- the conflation of sexual practice with religious or spiritual experience. Now, almost every generation has had some form of this. If, if you go back to ancient cultures, um, you know, they worship the god of Baal, B-A-A-L. Mm-hmm. And the god of Baal was the god of fertility. And so they would plant their seeds in planting season. Then they would have sex all during the growing season. And they would have sex in the name of Baal to have a great harvest. They worship the god of <clears throat> harvest by having sex. And friends, I got news for you, 21st century Americans. Hold mm-hmm. the question for a second, Josh. I got news for you, 21st century America. We are no different. We in this culture and for decades in America and in the West have conflated sexual expression with religious, uh, almost life-saving experience. Case in point. Can I give you some examples? Please. Oh, Marvin Gaye. Fantastic song. Right? <laughs> <laughs> What do, you, what do you hear in the words, though? I need sex to be healed. Mm. No, who can heal you? God can heal you. Amen. We have conflated. We have deified. We have deified sex. We have made sex the God that heals us. That's 1982. A little bit more modern. Locked out of heaven. Bruno Mars. Great song. Great music. Oh, yeah. Terrible song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great music. Lyrical, lyrical content. The lyrics right. are so bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let me just read them to you because the, the, the lyrics, okay, ne- uh, he says this, never had much faith in love or miracles, never want to put my heart on the line, but swimming in your love, uh, swimming in your water is something spiritual. Baptism. I'm, I'm born again. Yeah. yeah. I'm born again every time you spend the night. You bring me to my knees. You make me testify. You can make a sinner change his ways. Open up your gates because I can't wait to see the light. And right there is where I want to stay because your sex takes me to paradise, heaven, so on and so forth. <laughs> Come on. With this conflating wow. sex with religion, religion, yeah. spiritual expression, yeah. spiritual experience. This sex is what our God is. This is what Freud came along and said that religion is just. Repressed sexuality, and the tr- the actually the truth is act the the opposite is actually the truth. Right. So, and then even more, <laughs> more controversial and more modern is. Just think about the words of that song, Take Me to Church. Let me give you my life. We talk about that. That's words that we use for Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I just have the words here up on, on, on my notes. These are the, word, the lyrics to this song. My lover's got humor. She's the giggle at the funeral. Knows everybody's disapproval. I should have worshipped her sooner. If the heavens did ever speak. She's the last truth mouthpiece. Every Sunday's getting more bleak. A fresh poison each week. We were born sick. You heard them say it. My church offers no absolutes. She tells me, worship in the bedroom. The only heaven I'll be sent to is when I'm alone with you. I was born sick, but I love it. Command me to be well. Amen. 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 I mean, wow. This is, and the saddest part of that song, oh, as a parent, this really frustrates me. Yeah. The saddest part of that song is that it won Best Song for the Teen Choice Awards in 2015. Yeah. Yikes. And what's it telling him? Yikes. 
In every generation, friends, mankind has conflated sexual expression with religious experience, and it has to stop. It has to stop because sex is supposed to point us, yes, to a religious experience, but a true and right religious experience that is, that is illustrated by true and right sexual expression. One man, one woman for life, just as you were made for God alone for life with him. No other God. And he loves you faithfully. Amen. Amen. Question. Um, you kind of addressed this. But I think you could probably give it a little more. Uh, I have a female cousin that's born again and married to a man, but is also attracted to women. How can she change that desire, I would assume, yes, it's ungodly? Yeah, there. Uh, go on the <clears throat> Gospel Coalition website, thegospelcoalition.com or org. I'm not sure. The Gospel Coalition, just Google search it. The Gospel Coalition. And look up um, uh, same-sex attraction. Just do a search. And you will find lesbians, or I don't want to call them that, <laughs> same-sex attracted men right. and women who, it is .org, okay, yep. who walk in abstinence and celibacy and in holiness, and sometimes in a heterosexual marriage and in holiness in that heterosexual marriage. What I'm trying to help those people with here is that there are resources. You're drinking from the fire hose. This is why you don't think there's any help for you. You're drinking from the fire hose of culture and education and, and, and even the political spectrum of our country, and you need to stop. You need to see there are other streams you can drink from that will provide life-giving water mm. for your sexual life. And we want it to go well with you, and God does too. So that's what, that would be my fast answer because there's there's so many people who do struggle with this. We have them in our church, and yeah. um, I know there's a guy in Connecticut that travels around the country uh, talking about this. Stephen Bennett okay. talks about this out in Connecticut, and he is a formerly gay man who lived in, P- in P-Town with a man. And someone came to his door and shared Jesus with him and actually shared 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and verse 10 where it says, it talks about homosexuals, but then it says in the next verse, and such were some of you. In other words, you were this, yeah. but now you were washed, cleansed, sanctified in, the, in Jesus. And he said, those words, such were some of you, opened the door of freedom for his life. Oh, that's incredible. And now today he's married to a woman with kids, and he has no same-sex attraction, and he wow. travels around the world preaching the gospel. And he's amazing, yeah. amazing. Jesus, friends, yeah. can change you. Anyone. I mean, if, if that's not true, I'm getting out of this business tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> There's no point. He can change you. He can empower you. He can transform your heart. And the Christian message is not, don't be homosexual. The Christian message is, come to Christ. Yeah. And he will transform you from the inside out because he is, the, he is God, the Son, with all power and authority to transform your heart. Amen. Okay, we got to close this out because we're almost over time. Paul says in verse 17, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. In other words, again, heterosexual monogamous sex is meant to point us to the fact that Jesus is called to be joined to us. We are called to be joined to him in spirit with him. We are not alone. We do not face our problems alone. We do not face our challenges alone. Jesus is with us. And uh, and uh, and you're not, and Paul's basically just summing it up. Look, you're not made for this because he says, look, verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. Flee. Flee. The word flee there in Greek, fuego. Fuego. I like the way you say that. Fuego. All right. (laughs) It means, it literally is defined to escape safely out of danger. And you got to think about this. Whenever you see things on television, movies, on the internet, on magazines, and even if you're checking out, I mean, it's everywhere. Even if you're checking out at the grocery store and you look to the left, there's the airbrushed, perfectly adorned woman with 
half of her goodies hanging out. I mean, just yeah. asking you to lust over her. And it's like, you got to flee. You got to escape. And you got to see it like that. You got to escape it. It's trying to trap you. It's trying to trap you. Run from it for your own good, for your own safety, for your own health. Run from sexual morality. Every other sin a person commits, he says, is outside the body. But sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And, and I guess, uh, you know, we don't have to talk about this too much, but I just want to touch on it. Um, and we've already talked about it a little bit, but there's just so much evidence that sexual morality destroys your body. Yeah. It destroys your body. Um, when George Michael died last Christmas, yeah. uh, the, the outpouring of shock from, from the world. Sure. How could this happen? What a shock. I can't believe it. Look, it is a tragedy that anybody dies. Yeah. But this is a man who bragged about hundreds of gay sex anonymous encounters. Wow. I mean, come on. Let, let's not be shocked sure. when, when people treat their body like a jungle gym and, <clears throat> and, they, and they do whatever they want with it and then they die young. And I don't want him to die. I'm not glad about the fact that he died. God does not take pleasure in the death of the wicked, the Bible says. Right. But we don't, we don't, we don't want to get shocked. We don't, well, it's not shocking mm-hmm. when these celebrities like Tom Petty. This guy's not monogamous. <laughs> Let's be honest about sure. this stuff. Let's come to our senses and realize these are unfortunate illustrations to show us that you're just not made for this. Right. You're not made for this. So he says, lastly, do you not know, verse 19, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Your body is a gift from God to you. You are not your own, and your body is not your own. Mm-hmm. You were bought with a price. Glorify God with it. This is, this is the death knell to the sexual liberation movement. Sure. Because the sexual liberation movement says, it's my body, it's my choice, and I'll do whatever I want with my body. No, it is not. It is not your body. Christian, your body was not made for this. Your body is made for God. Yeah. I would like to close with this illustration. like a fish. It's like a fish. Like you, if you just think about it, your sexual life is like a fish. Your body's like a fish, right? A fish is free as long as it stays in water. Mm-hmm. But the moment the fish starts to see the water as some kind of you know, unjust constraint to his freedom and expression, and he jumps out of the water, and he lands up on the ground, he suffocates and he dies. Because he's not made for the ground. He's not made for air. He's made for water. Yeah. Christian, freedom is not jumping out of the good and healthy constraints that God has designed for you. No, freedom is staying within them and knowing this is what I'm made for. God wants it to go well with me. He wants it to go with me emotionally. He wants it to go with me physically. He wants it to go with me socially. He wants it to go with me sexually. I hope that this has helped. I hope you have a wonderful new year. We will be back next Wednesday. This was The Deep End. Thanks for joining us for this week's Deep End Podcast. We pray that you continue to grow in your faith and that you would serve and support your local church. If you don't already have a church home, we invite you to join us this weekend at Waters Church. We're located at 57 John Deach Square in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. And you can join us every Saturday at 4 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 